worship his feelings of gratitude. So it's more that, God, you've done this, rather than we are so grateful. I was kind of thinking about that. It's, it's a little bit different from the Psalms of Lament, where we're, we're expressing what we're feeling to God, but in Psalms of Thanksgiving, we're telling what God has done. And there's not so much um, we are so grateful kind of language, although there is I will praise you forever, <coughs> which implies uh, gratefulness. <coughs> so even the grammar is focused on the glorifying of God. And the uh, second one is that it begins with a commitment to praise. I will exalt you, Lord. So that's the first line of the psalm. And it sounds like a present continuous to me. So it's something that the psalmist is going to do and keep on doing. Now the third thing is the psalmist has a reason for praise and thanksgiving. For you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies glide over me. And so on. So note that the thanksgiving is in response to something that God has done. <coughs> now again, this is my tendency to um, turn things into a striving and a work. But when I was growing up, I got told, you have to be thankful to God. You have to be thankful to God. So I was just like, oh, okay. Uh, and it was, it was hard work, you know. I, I, I found it difficult. And especially on some days I felt got the blues and I didn't feel like giving thanks to God. And I couldn't think of any much to thank God for. That's probably my mental space. But um, this, the Psalms model that we have something to, we, we need something to thank God for. Um, so I think of an example. So, um, <coughs> say uh, <coughs> Jamie goes up to <coughs> Wayne and he goes, "Oh, thanks, thanks, Dad." <coughs> and Wayne's going to say, "Oh, that's awesome, Jamie. Thanks for saying thanks." Well, what are you saying thanks for? And Jamie goes, oh, "I don't know. Mum told me to say thanks." <laughs> you know, how would the hell's Wayne going to feel if that, if that happens? It's going to be, it's, what, really? You know? Anyway. So that's kind of like, if, if we go to God with that kind of thing, I think God's going to have the same, same attitude. Oh, what do you think? Thank you, boy's going to see it anyway, but, oh, because I have to. That's not Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and if you think about it, whenever we say thanks to someone, it's because they've done something for us. You might be sitting in a cafe, the waitress brings you coffee, you say thanks. You've got a coffee. <clears throat> so let it be the same for us and God. And uh, Thanksgiving became a whole lot easier for me when God showed me a few years ago what, what I've just been praying about, the glory of our salvation, which is God has forgiven me all my sins, past, present and future. And I used to think that I was only forgiven up to the present. And that when I sinned in the present, oh man, okay, sin separated me from God, that's, that's what I got taught. So if I sin in the present, ah, I'm separated from God. Okay. And now I have to come back and sorry, Lord, please forgive me. And that sin again. Ah. And it, that, was, that was not good news for me. So that's, what I, that's why I love Hebrews 10, 14. For he is made perfect forever, those who have been made holy. It happens once and once alone. And as long as you stay under the covering of Christ's righteousness, you are forever perfect in God's sight. And that is good news. And that is something that I can say thank you, Lord, for every day. And in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's what it means. 
we sin in the present, we're covered. And we, we, we want to stay in that place of humility and reliance on God's righteousness rather than our own. And that's why there's no condemnation for us. Because He's taken it, He's covered us. And that's why it's such good news. And that's something that, that's extremely precious that came out of my time of lamenting. And that's something I can thank God for regularly. <clears throat> so these are moving on to the, the fourth thing. The psalm captures the recollection of the worshippers' recent experience. So there's the affliction that the person went through, the way the person prayed, and the way that God responded. <clears throat> And that recollection is a story. And if you think about it, all the things that are really important in our lives, they're stories, aren't they? When we get together, we tell stories about our lives. Oh, what happened to you this week? Oh man, you wouldn't believe what happened. Blah, 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 blah. It's a story. And the stories where God has acted and God has responded and brought us through something, they're very precious. And we, we tell, we, well, I love telling the stories. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> and there's two cycles. If you look at the psalm, there's two cycles. He tells it twice. And at the end of every section, he responds in thanksgiving. So I think it's quite common in, in Hebrew to, to have cycles of things where things are repeated and it puts extra emphasis on them. And both cycles finish. <clears throat> and a further commitment to praise or an invitation for the rest of the community to join in. And the language is the same as that in a praise psalm. So that brings you back, if you think about that cycle, you're back into a praise psalm. And, uh, and it affirms the ongoing nature of God that the worshippers' recent experience has once again proved to be true. And that's why it's so important. So what I'd like you to do now is get into groups of three or four, or more if you like, and share with each other any examples that you have from your own lives where God has brought you through a time of great difficulty. And you've come out the other side and you're a bit like Johnny Nash, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Okay, so get into groups of three or four. And uh, if you don't, if you, if you don't have any that <laughs> you can think of, that's fine. But if you do, I invite you to share with each other. Okay, go to it.
how good is God that, that he met you in that moment and, and brought you through in a, in, a, in a way that only he could do. So that's, uh, that's a really wonderful, wonderful story. And uh, if you haven't gone through anything that scary, then praise God. <coughs> but, um, yeah, for those of us who have, um, we can attest to the faithfulness of God, even in the darkest moments. So the next uh, thing I want to talk about is fostering thanksgiving. Because I haven't found this easy in my life. <coughs> but I do love being around thankful people. In fact, um, we were at um, Lake Taupo and we caught up with some of Sarah's friends, another one of her bridesmaids. She did have five bridesmaids, so it was quite, you know, when I, it sounds like we catch up with bridesmaids all the time, and it's kind of true, but there's five of them, so that's why. But uh, we were. They invited Sarah and I and I down to a family situation and we, we went down to the lake and the kids were playing in the water and uh, it was just a beautiful evening and Lake Tablet, you know, that's so beautiful. And um, and we they brought us pizza and they wouldn't give us a anything, so I was like, awesome. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, um, this uh, friend of Sarah's said, how blessed are we? A beautiful evening. In a stunning part of the world with great food and sharing it with wonderful friends and family. Thank you, Lord. And she wasn't, she didn't say that in a quiet voice. She said it probably loud enough for the most of the beach to hear us. And I was, I was kind of like, wow, that's, that's awesome when, you, when someone is that positive and, and thankful. And it's inspiring. And maybe a little bit intimidating as well. And research is showing more and more that gratitude has the strongest relationship to life satisfaction than any other characteristic. And it's funny, isn't it funny that in the Western world we have so much and yet we are so ungrateful. <coughs> if you go to Africa <coughs> or other third world countries, they have so little and yet they're so grateful. And so in one sense, they are rich and we are poor because they have more life satisfaction than we do. We can have so much and yet we are <sighs> you know, good Lord, it's morning instead of good morning, Lord. Um, so I looked, I found a, a study that, that said that grateful teenagers aged 14 to 19 are more satisfied with their lives, use their strengths to better their community, are more engaged in their schoolwork and hobbies, have higher grades, are less envious, depressed, and materialistic. So that's correlated towards gratefulness, thanksgiving. So the classic sermon would now turn you to, all right, you have to be more thankful, you have to be more grateful. No, we don't want to do that. I found that that kind of thinking, it just leads to bitterness and resentment and striving, um, which is dependent on my goodness and not God's. And that ends in failure every time. So let's not do that. So how do we grow in Thanksgiving then? I want to look at a, a passage of a book that I've been reading you are what you love, the spiritual power of habit. <coughs> and he's talking about something very deep. So I'll let you can have the, the next slide. To be human is to be on a quest. To live is to be embarked on a kind of unconscious journey towards a destination of your dreams. As Blaise Pascal put it in his famous wager, you have to wager it's not up to you. You are already committed. <coughs> you can't not bet your life on something. You can't not be headed somewhere. 
We live leaning forward, bent on arriving at the place we long for. The place we unconsciously strive towards is what ancient philosophers of habit called our telos, our goal, our end. But the telos we live toward is not something that we primarily know or believe or think about. Rather, our telos is what we want, what we long for, what we crave. It is less of an ideal that we have ideas about and more a vision of a good life that we desire. It is a picture of flourishing that we imagine in a visceral, often unarticulated way, a vague yet attractive sense of where we think true happiness is found. <coughs> and the world is excellent at giving us false telosses. You mean you think about a you think about a music video. <coughs> And you might, you might have some kind of rap dude rapping away and he's got gold chains and stuff dripping off his arms and he's surrounded by a beautiful woman wearing not much. That presents a picture of flourishing. Does that, do you, do you start to get what he's talking about? A picture of flourishing, right? And it's, it's a false picture of flourishing. And yet there's part of us that, that finds it attractive. So that's, that's, a, that's what a telos, what James Smith is talking about. It's, it's not articulated. It's not, if, if you wrote it down, it would be insane. If you wrote it down, like if you are a rap singer and you have lots of money and you have lots, you can pay for lots of girls to dance around you, you will be happy. <coughs> if, you, if you express it in that way, it's insane, right? So often these pictures of flourishing from the world, they don't make any sense. And yet our hearts catch them. And we don't even know our hearts are caught. That's the scary thing. But they start to form our motivation for doing things. And that's how brokenness comes about. Uh, as we find that we are directed towards paths of action that that lead us to one of these false goals, or false pictures of flourishing. <coughs> Do you know what your telos is? What is your picture of flourishing? What is it that you long for? If you get to the end of your life and you don't have this thing, it will be a disaster. Your life will not have been worth it. <laughs> Just kidding. <coughs> Do you get what I mean? For many years, I didn't realise that I had actually more than one telos in my heart. I had a God-given telos that God gave me when I was in the States. And it was to walk the high road. I wanted to be all that I could be in God and for God. I wanted to make the maximum impact for God in the world. And I thought, yes, that's what I want to do. But there's another one in my heart. I didn't realise it was dead. And I think I caught it when I was a boy. It sunk into my heart and became part of the landscape of my worldview and it was so deep I didn't actually realise it was there. And essentially it was that my worth came from the physical beauty of a woman. <clears throat> I had to have a physically beautiful woman to be somebody in life. Now if you, when you write that down, that's stupid. It's insane. Uh, and I can see that now. 
But at the time, it drove a lot of my action. That's why I ended up in Celebrate Recovery. Because parts of my sexuality were really getting out of control and I didn't know why. I felt like my heart was being ripped in two. And I didn't know. I thought, God, what is going on? I shouldn't feel like this. I shouldn't feel like my heart is being ripped in two. But what was happening, that was the two taluses in my heart and they were heading in different directions. That's why I felt I was getting ripped in two. Right? And I didn't realise this other one was there, because otherwise I wouldn't be saying, what's going on? <laughs> and I needed years of recovery and God gently showed me, son, this is why you're feeling like you're ripped in two. You need to let go of this one in order to have what I want for you. And praise God that he gave me the grace to do that. Because otherwise I would be still miserable in, in my lack of achieving this false telos. <clears throat> so, the crazy thing is that we can often see the brokenness in other people's lives, the telos that they're trying to achieve, that is causing all sorts of problems in their lives, but we can't see the brokenness in our own life. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> it's crazy how that works. You know that there's something wrong, it's maybe someone says something and you go, Ooh, that didn't seem good. But hey, you know, it's their life, whatever. So if you want to know if you have a broken telos in your life, what do you think you did? Yeah, you ask God and you ask someone that you trust to tell you the truth and not sugarcoat. <coughs> Don't shoot the messenger though. If you get angry with what they say, guess what? You're probably on the right track. <laughs> so, um, back to my story. While God was still in the process of freeing me from my broken telos, there was this conflict between the two visions of the good life. One was like to be all I could be in God. One was like, no, I have to have a, a physically beautiful woman to be somebody. No, I don't. I was filled with bitterness and resentment. Now, if someone had come along and said, you have been more thankful, I would have punched you like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> don't tell me I have been more thankful, you know? That was the effect of that false telos in my life. I hope, I, I hope you're catching what I'm trying to communicate. It's, it's deep stuff. We're talking about heart stuff here. It's hard to articulate. <clears throat> so now that God has freed me from the effects of the false telos in my life, <clears throat> he, actually he did that by giving me a new one. My new vision of flourishing, my new vision of a good life, is to know how much I'm loved by God. I want to know how much I'm loved by God. The more I know how much I'm loved by God, the better my life becomes. The more I can let go of all this other rubbish, I can recognise the lies of the world when they come at me, and I can say, ah, no, 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 no. I've been there. I've done that. I'm not going there again. Lord, give me your grace to not go there again. 
say, do I still want to be all that I can be in God? Do I still want to make the maximum impact for God in the world? Yes, I do, but it doesn't drive me anymore. What drives me is to know how deeply I'm loved by God. And I, will, I believe that God will use me to maximum effect for His purposes. <clears throat> so what's this got to do with thanksgiving and gratitude? I hope you join the dots by now. I can say from experience that if we hold conflicting telosis, pitches of flourishing in our hearts, we will always struggle to be grateful to God, no matter how hard we try. <clears throat> but if our primary vision of a good life, our picture of flourishing is about God, gratitude and thanksgiving will come naturally. You won't be able to stop it. You'll find yourself thanking God for little things like the next breath that you take. Time spent with family, enjoying a good meal, time fishing with friends. The little things you will, you will just like, it'll be a journey of delight. But if you have a false talus in your heart, anchors that goodbye. I just, in my experience, yeah, no way I could be thankful as long as that remained in my heart. And I think this is what being single-minded means from a scriptural point of view. It's not talking about a head thing. It's talking about a heart thing. Have a look at this verse from James. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Isn't that interesting? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Normally we don't associate, like we normally think of mind as our consciousness. And yet it says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. I think it's actually, what this verse is talking about, is that, that false telos in our hearts. And that causes us to be double-minded, to be split in our devotions, to be split in our loyalties. <coughs> so purifying our hearts is actually getting rid of any false visions of flourishing that compete with the telos that God has given us. Does that make sense? It takes a lot of time, in my experience, and involves a fair bit of pain. But once you come out the other side, you will be thankful, you will be rejoicing in what God has done. <coughs> now the amazing thing about the Psalms, and if we go back to Psalm 30, it's clear to me that the Psalmist does not have conflicting telosis in his heart. He does not have conflicting telosis in his heart. Have you noticed that whatever the psalmist is going through, whether it be praise or lament or thanksgiving, the psalmist is always orientated towards God. He always addresses God, no matter what he's going through. And this says more than anything, the vision of the good life for the psalmist is deeply about God, and nothing else will do. Let's have a look at Psalm 63. <clears throat> you God are my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Is that beautiful? Your love is better than life. That's a tell us. We don't, unless you're aware of it, unless we're talking about tell us as we are now, you, you would read that, oh yeah, that's cool. No, it's a lot more than cool. It's a vision of the future, of flourishing. To know God, to know His love, is better than life itself. 
So this is the often unarticulated telos of the psalmist and something that we often overlook as we perhaps read the psalms and wonder why we don't have the same attitude to praise and thanksgiving that the psalmist has. <clears throat> and for many years that's what it was like. I would read the psalms and I'd go, oh, man, how does that guy do that? <laughs> God's love is the bedrock of the psalmist's life. This is the foundation on which his life is built on. To know God's love, to know our worth and value to him, to have our identity deeply rooted in his love is a firm foundation. That's why I love that new song, Build My Life. For David, God's love was better than life itself. And because of that, he could glorify him, even in the midst of a dry and parched land. And no matter what he went through, thanksgiving would always erupt from his heart as, as God brought him through the storm and he came out the other side full of joy. So what is the first step to fostering thanksgiving in our hearts? I think it involves asking God to search our hearts and taking away any telos that conflicts and competes with the one he has given us. Only then do we actually have the right foundation from which we can grow in thanksgiving. So how does that vision of flourishing sit in your heart? Your love is better than life. Does it fill your heart with longing for the Lord and to know more of his love? If it doesn't, I think there could be two reasons. <coughs> the first is that you're in a season of lament. Something real bad has happened in your life. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just virtually impossible to be thankful. Remember that the psalms of lament, some of the psalms of lament have no thanksgiving in them at all. Psalm 6 and Psalm 42. That tells me if you're going through a time of great trial, it's okay if you're not filled with thanksgiving. As Sarah mentioned last week, just, let's just focus on telling God how we feel and let him bring us through into a season of thanksgiving in his own time. However, the other reason could be that like me, you may have a conflicting telos in your heart that is stopping you from being thankful to God. And, and the, the consequences of that, that you struggle to be thankful, you're kind of bitter, Lord, why didn't have to give me this, didn't give me that, this hasn't worked out, blah, blah, blah. So I ask you again, what is your telos, your vision of the good life? What picture of the future <coughs> fills you with longing? Does this picture relate to God and being closer to Him, or does it really not have anything to do with Him at all? Now this is a huge question, and don't think you have to answer it right now. It might even be something that God needs to gently reveal to us over time, as he did for me. But, yeah, I think once we have an undivided heart, we will find that thanksgiving comes much more naturally. It will be easier to see the things that God has done and continues to do for us. And if you're anything like me, you will look back on that real hard time in your life that God brought you through, and you'll be thankful for it. It's crazy, but... I never thought I would be thankful for that experience, but I am. Because through that experience, he purified our hearts and brought us closer to himself. So let's just spend a few moments of silence and prayer as we reflect on Psalm 26, verse 2. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind.
Lord, purify our hearts before you. <clears throat> Lord, show us if there's anything in our hearts that did not come from you, that we hold on to as false pictures of flourishing. Lord, speak to us over these next days and weeks. Lord, help us to be aware that you are for us. You want us to be free, to be joyful in you, to be content in you. Bring us to your telos, Lord, your, your picture of flourishing for each one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. We've got the music team to come up. <coughs> and we're going to sing Amazing Grace by Chains of God. And just invite you to allow God to continue to minister to you through this song. <clears throat>